Hey, what's going on, everyone? This is Andy from the Atlas Fitcast. This is going to be episode 43. If you had listened to uh, some of my past episodes, you might have realized that uh, that music that I just played was something new that I had never played before. I'm just trying something different. So if you think it worked, uh, I guess send me a little message on Instagram and let me know if uh, you like that change or if you like the old one. Whatever, I, I might keep it. I'm not, uh, I'm not particularly married to any type of one uh, introductory music. I was just wanting to try something different, but uh, enough about that. I, I wanted to talk to you a little bit uh, today about uh, a topic that is uh, pretty popular and it is uh, centered around weight loss. Uh, if, if you hadn't listened to episode one of the Atlas Fitcast, then you may not know that the one of the biggest reasons why I got into the fitness industry to begin with was because at uh, the age of 17, I was at my heaviest weight of, uh, and by the way, not healthy weight, so not a lot of muscle and uh, quite a bit of extra fat tissue on my body of around 315 pounds over 30% body fat at the uh, height of that I am now about six foot two. I've actually been this height since I was about 14 or 15. So at 17, I was I was this height. But um, I, I definitely have some personal experience with uh, that, that, that empathetic tone of what it feels like to carry around a lot of excessive weight. And then at the age of 17, I decided that I wanted to make a change, and I went from 315 pounds down to about 172 pounds at my lightest, and uh, that, that that was a pretty thin Andy in terms of a, of a version of myself, and then since then, I've, I've definitely built up a lot more extra muscle tissue than I, than I had when I was 172, and throughout college and uh, in my adult life, I, I have experienced times of, of higher body fat levels than, than I was interested in having. So I have seen weight loss on my own body and in several clients uh, several different times. So I kind of have an idea of, of what types of exercises and methods work really well. So the topic of today that I that I basically wanted to run by you is what are some things that you could be doing or if you want to share this information with somebody that you know, what are some things that you should be doing in terms of exercise selection when you have 50 or more pounds to lose? And I'm talking about cardiovascular exercises, resistance training exercises, and then also mobility exercises. And um, that's not to say that if if you have, you know, 30 to 40 pounds to lose, this is that, that you can't listen to what I'm having to say. You can definitely get something out of it. I just wanted to kind of communicate that if you do have a lot of weight to lose and it is taking a toll on your body, what, what are some of the more appropriate exercises that you could be doing that to give you the most bang for your buck, but also won't tear down your body while you're trying to get A, stronger, but B, get rid of some of that excess weight that over time 
has started to take its toll on on your joints and other systems in your body. So let's break it down into a couple different categories. So let's start off with uh, what what should be a huge foundation for anybody that wants to lose weight, and it is uh, stretching and mobility. Now, it is harder to talk someone into doing stretching and mobility work when they do have a lot of excessive uh, fat to lose because uh, stretching in itself is is really uncomfortable, especially if you have a lot of weight around your hips and midsection. Uh, you just kind of feel like you're folding yourself over that excess of fat and it's, it's making it very uncomfortable. Uh, not to mention a lot of stretching is on the ground and uh, it's just really hard for, for people sometimes to get on and off the ground repetitively over and over and over again. So I do have some, some suggestions there. So breaking it down. Uh, why you want to work on mobility and stretching when you're first starting an exercise program and is because if you're going to put yourself in stressful environments, you do want to have the, uh, the, 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 a suppleness to your body, the mobility to, to move as effectively as you can. There, there's not a huge point in, um, if, if you can help it into just, squatting down a few inches and coming back up and doing that that's that's not going to be a huge caloric burner but if you can squat way further down and come way further up that's a that's a bigger range of motion that takes more energy that's ultimately going to make you uh burn off excessive fat tissue a little bit quicker if you do have the mobility to do so and if you can't do that it's probably due to some inflexibility in your ankles your knees your hips and your back so we want to do some exercises specifically for those to help unlock your body, get your mobility potential up just a little bit more. And so some of the best things you could be doing are some standing stretches, of course, um, including some some uh, leaning against the wall and particularly before you you exercise doing some dynamic warm-up stuff, which is where you, you uh, don't hold stretches for very long, but rather move through the range of motion uh, several times for that specific stretch. So if you put your hands on the wall and do a wall leaning calf stretch, this is where you're gonna put your hands on the wall like you're under arrest and then you're gonna alternate kind of stepping back one of your feet and then pushing your heel into the floor, uh, holding it for like maybe one to two seconds and alternating the legs. This is gonna start to help you unlock your ankle joint just a little bit more. And then from there, uh, you want to begin to uh, help unlock your knees and kind of increase some range of motion um, and, and promote some blood flow there. So one of my favorite stretches to do is a standing quadricep stretch. And what I have found to be the best is to lean against the wall, again, with one hand on the wall. Then you're going to drive your knee into your chest as far as you can go. Now I get that if you have some excessive fat tissue that you might not be able to drive your knee up very far. But uh, from there, you're going to try and grab your shin with your hand and then let your knee under control go back towards the ground. And then you're going to feel your quadriceps stretch. Uh, and then you let the shin go 
and then you re-drive the knee again, grab the shin and let the knee come back down. And this is gonna help uh, unlock your knee, gra gradually increase some of that uh, motion potential that you have in your quadricep joint, which is what's typically locked up in uh, a lot of people. All right, you do this for about 10 reps on each leg. You're gonna start unlocking the uh, the mobility potential in, in your legs in terms of your knee. Now, uh, we also want to uh, help you feel some flexibility on the backside of the leg as well, so the hamstrings, and we can do this in a good uh, bang for your buck, two for one combo, and one of my favorite things to do is uh, I put my hands on a uh, suspension trainer that's at about uh, waist height, hanging from waist height, and then I start to bend forward while keeping my palms facing downward in the suspension trainer, and then I push my hips back and not allowing my elbows or my knees to bend. So all I'm bending is my hips and my shoulders, and uh, this is a this is a good uh, stretch for the posterior chain. So it will kind of stretch out the backside of your calves, your hamstrings, your your glutes a little bit, as well as your upper back. So the entire backside of your body. This is a great stretch. And uh, and then finally, one of my uh, favorite things to do is I will kind of um, either lean against a chair or some sort of sturdy object or even a wall and then I put my hand behind my head and then I let my elbow point underneath the body and then I rotate up and I point the elbow up towards the ceiling and then I do that for about 10 reps on each side and uh once you get that accomplished, then to unlock the shoulders just a little bit more, I'll take like a band in my hands and I'll bring it from the front side of the body to the back side of the body uh, while keeping my thumbs kind of locked into the band loop. And then some people might call this uh, shoulder dislocates. I just call it a band pass through because I just think it sounds a little bit better and doesn't scare people from doing it. So just from these little dynamic stretches that I've just talked about, we have increased the mobility and the readiness for the body to operate underneath a, a stressful environment because exercise is slightly stressful, not in a bad way, but it does put your body under stress, which is why it does work. It, it uh, uses energy. It makes you stronger. It makes you more cardiovascular. There's a lot of different benefits obviously to exercise or else I wouldn't be doing this podcast but so we've unlocked your ankles your knees your hips your spine both from uh, a standpoint of uh, some extensions but then also some rotations and then also unlock the shoulders and if I've talked about all these stretches the last three or four minutes and you're like there's no way I understand what you're talking about, or I can't even visualize it. That's why I do accompany a lot of my podcasts with some visual aids, visual aid videos that I put on Instagram. So look for that in the next day or two. And if you're not following me on the Instagram, just just look for Atlas Fitness Evolved. That Instagram handle accompanies the Atlas Fitcast. Okay, so 
all that mobility that you can gain uh, will just make the exercise you're about to do feel so much more comfortable. Um, it's also safely warming up your body, both from a standpoint of uh, increasing blood flow, but also uh, helping loosen up tendons, muscles, uh, and it's also increased your neurological preparedness, so your brain's ability to tell your muscles what to do. So for all those reasons, and again, all the stretches we did at the beginning there are all dynamic stretches that you do not hold for very long periods of time. You move through the range of motion repeatedly, roughly about 10 reps per exercise that I did tell you about, um, and you want to do that 10 reps per leg or per arm if it is... Uh, kind of separated into both sides, okay? Uh, with the more boring part over of the mobility, I guarantee you if you do the mobility, yes, exercise is going to feel just so, so much better. I, I generally do warm-ups with every climb, all right? And that's the reason why. So moving on from mobility, let's talk about some exercise considerations for anybody wanting to lose over 50 pounds if uh, if we're talk if we're talking about cardiovascular conditioning exercises, so what is one of the first things you should be doing if you're not currently working out? I think my number one answer is going to be walking. The reason is is because walking is is generally low impact. It also is uh, weight bearing, so. With 50 pounds or more to lose, you are having to carry around your body. And so that does require energy. And energy is just calories being used out of your body. So we want to utilize all that stored up energy in your body. And one of the ways we can do that is by burning the most calories per minute that we can. And walking definitely does that in a very low impact way. If you haven't started a walking program, uh, I don't recommend day one, you go out and try to walk an hour. You're probably going to get pretty sore. Uh, your joints aren't generally used to it. So you might feel some swelling in the, in the ankles, the knees, maybe your, maybe your back, specifically your low back. And then that's going to not, it's going to make you not want to work out at least for like two to three days. And you're going to miss out on all this time. And also only working out and being able to tolerate exercise every three or four days is not going to create a good habit and you're not going to reach your goals. So what I would recommend is start off super slow. After you get done with your mobility work, you're going to feel good. All I want you to do is walk for five to 10 minutes. If you're walking indoors on a track or on a treadmill, five to 10 minutes. If you're walking from your home because you don't belong to a gym, that's perfectly fine. What you should be doing is maybe walking out your door, five minutes, turn around, five minutes back. Um, an out and back routine, meaning not necessarily trying to do a, a loop, but going five minutes away from your house and then five minutes back. Ultimately, over time, this is going to be beneficial because no matter what, when you get to the furthest point away from your home and you're at the halfway mark, you, you can't cheat by cutting through a neighborhood because you're, you're already at the furthest distance you're going to be today from, from your house. You still have to make that trek back. Even when motivation is not there, you've kind of tricked yourself into having to accomplish that five minutes out, five minutes back. All right. 
and then each week you just you increase the distance away that you have gone and um, so say like day one you go five minutes out five minutes back day two you go six minutes six minutes and then seven seven eight eight and then you just gradually accumulate that walking distance slowly over the course of the first month okay and then once you get to like 15 to 20 minutes away 15 to 20 minutes back you're you're accomplishing every day between 30 and 40 minutes of exercise in terms of just pure walking walking also it's it it doesn't secrete cortisol and cortisol in itself is not going to make you gain weight uh it's kind of a it's kind of a myth that oh if you secrete cortisol you're going to you're going to gain all sorts of fat no that's not necessarily true but cortisol does affect uh, behaviors just a little bit. It does make you more likely to want to splurge on your diet and make you feel uh, differently. And so it's it in a way can set you you up for failure in terms of how you're feeling, but it uh, it not directly. It it doesn't do what you uh, what you'd expect it to do. So um, if we can stay away from secreting too much cortisol. We want to do that with a walking program. And, and walking is the only exercise that, that won't naturally secrete cortisol. Somehow the body just naturally knows that this is just the general modality, the design, intelligent design that humans are meant to be walking around. Uh, and it's our way to transport ourselves from one point to the other without any aids of machinery. Okay. So walking's great. That's my, that's my uh, point there. Now, if... You're telling me like, listen, my ankles suck, my knees suck, my back sucks, and I just know I can't take, you know, more than ten minutes of walking. All right, then let's let's think of some other options. Um, variations of biking or cycling is also something that you can engage in regularly. It's lower impact than walking. Um, it's not going to burn as many calories, most likely, at least at steady state, which just means like normal, steady, um, paced walking, because you're not supporting your body weight. And so you're, you're in a seated position. But the bang for your buck is that you are uh, lower impact. And instead of wearing your joints out through walking, uh, if you do have issues, you're, you're, you're biking instead, and so you're taking care of your joints and doing it intelligently. Now, over time, as you lose weight, you may find that, oh, walking doesn't hurt as much as it used to. So just because you uh, know that walking hurts whenever you're 50 pounds overweight doesn't mean it's going to hurt as much when you're just a simple 20 to 30 pounds overweight or even uh, no extra weight on your body that you want to lose. Okay, so biking, that's another thing. And you could also do it the same way. You start off with just a simple five minutes and then you work up to six to 10 minutes to 15 to 20 to 30, whatever. The goal that I'm trying to invoke in you here is I don't want you to overdo it so early that you get super sore early on. And again, you're going to take several days off. One of the biggest things that we're trying to do in this first month of exercise is accumulate exercise gradually and develop a habit. And you're not going to develop a habit very easily if you are only working out every three or four days. 
you want to do something active for your body almost every day without tearing down your joints and making your muscles really sore. And by starting with a super low volume and gradually increasing that volume, you're going to be able to save your joints. You're going to be able to still um, create a habit and you're going to be able to get uh, the caloric burn off benefits as well. All right. Um, other than walking and biking, some other examples would be elliptical. Um, the trainer, Andy, 10 to five to 10 years ago would have told you that elliptical is not ultra functional because our bodies don't move the way ellipticals do. But, you know, that, that, that is a negative to it. But also the positive is that you could probably more comfortably pedal on an elliptical at a steady state pattern. So again, this is lighter intensities. I've, I've only talked about lighter intensities so far. Um, a little bit better, and you're going to set yourself up to create that habit by performing that low impact uh, mode of exercise with an elliptical or an arc trainer and build that up over time. And then again, once you have cut some weight off your body or you've built up the strength in your legs and you can now take the stress in your knees, your hips, your back, your ankles of walking, then you can start walking more and maybe doing the elliptical less. All right. There's also row machines. There are some row machines that gyms will have that are, I think they're called model E rowers if they are the concept two variety that are a little taller and higher up from the ground, which I get that if you do have some extra weight, you're not going to probably be able to squat low enough to sit on a, on one of the, uh, I think they're model D rowers as easily as if it was a model E, which they're the same exact thing. Just, I think the model E is about four to six inches higher up and it's just easier to get on and off and mount and dismount. But rowing is a, is a pretty low impact modality of exercise it is a full body uh recruiter even though you're in a seated position you can definitely um, get some benefit because your legs your core and your upper body are all working together but um one of the downfalls is is that um it is super easy for someone to cheat on because they're not putting in the effort into each stroke and I know this just from years of training and also I, I row crew on one of the lakes here in St. Louis. So I'm very familiar with the uh, rowing patterns and it's, it's, it's pretty easy to fake to the naked eye. If you're not pulling hard on the handle and, and making that flywheel spin, you could apparently be working out, but your intensity could be fairly low. I'm not saying we want it to be high intensity right away, but you definitely do want to feel some tension in that pulley and use your, your legs, your hips, your back, and your arms all in sync together to make uh, the benefits of rowing work. And if you don't know how to row, there are uh, some, some good youtube videos out there i just i would just look for them from the company concept too because there's some of the world's best experts in rowing especially for indoor rowers all right and then in terms of any other modalities i would go especially if you have some ankle or knee or hip or back issues 
you might want to go with some sort of upper body centered cardiovascular component, which would be something like a hand arm bike, which is where you're kind of pedaling with your with your arms more so, or maybe doing some lighter intensity battle ropes, like shaking the the battle ropes to create different wave patterns. Um, the the downfall of that is is that the arms will fatigue way easier than the than the legs will, so you probably won't be able to operate those options as long term, unless you build that up over time, like I said, and maybe start off with uh, just a few minutes and then build that up slowly over the first of the over the first of the month. Now, if you have access to uh, sleds to push, this is a great way to do some steady state, lower intensity cardiovascular exercise just by pushing the sled back and forth on maybe a piece of turf that your gym has. The the sled allows you to lean on it a little bit, so it's almost like you're using a heavy walker, I would say. That's, that's a good way to put it, but also you're using your legs individually like you do when you're walking. So right leg, left leg, right leg, left leg, and it's working on your posterior chain strength. It's also working on your cardiorespiratory conditioning at the same time, so you're going to get a lot of bang for your buck, not to mention it's going to burn tons of energy and therefore uh, help you burn some of that fat off your body. Okay, so all of those were, were examples of low-intensity, steady-state cardiovascular exercise that you could be engaging in. Um, some things that I would probably stay away from at the beginning would be like variations of, of running and jogging as well as the Stairmaster. Um, it just does take a lot of strength in the legs, and it does tax the joints quite a bit, particularly your ankles, knees, hips, and low back. And so I'm not saying these are bad forms of exercise. I'm just saying that you want to set yourself up for fit, for for success, not for failure. And those are exercises that maybe you can engage in in the future once you've A, built up some strength in your body, and B, reduce the amount of excess weight on your body. Okay. With that said, I think the first month at least of your program should be centered around just doing some steady state and not trying to elevate the intensities up and down. Um, just kind of developing your cardio respiratory conditioning base the first month. And yes, your heart and your lungs and your entire peripheral system of, of your cardiovascular system is going to get stronger. And then after that, you're going to probably start to be habitually hooked on exercise. And that's when you can start experimenting with some of the higher intensity interval training options that are that are out there for you. And so I'm not going to go too much in the programming of this, but just so you know, for your options for walking, one of the best ways that you can increase the intensity on walking is by speed and or gradient. So you would you would be surprised of how difficult it is to walk at 2 to 2.5 miles per hour on a treadmill at 10% or higher grade. Most treadmills will go all the way up to 15%. Some treadmills, they call them incline trainers, will go all the way up to 30%. Now, a big no-no on this would be to hold onto the handles and lean back and just let your body uh, kind of hang off of the treadmill while your legs are moving. That's defeating the purpose. You want to stay 
in the walking pattern without the handles as much as possible. So don't try not to hold on if you can help it. And um, you can increase the gradient for and the speed for say 30 seconds all the way up to two minutes and then lower it back down, recover, and then go up, go up and down throughout the workout and kind of get your heart rate up really higher up and then you're going to bring all that intensity back down let yourself recover walking is a great way to do some higher intensity interval training um, with the elliptical you can obviously pedal faster or i should say and or increase the tension or the resistance on the pedal same thing with a bike you can move faster or increase the tension and resistance on the pedal with rowing all you need to do is exert more pressure into the handles or the chain into the flywheel and uh, you're going to feel greater intensity and then maybe a little bit in terms of the stroke rating but really those people that are that are that are barely pulling but doing a stroke rating of 35 to 40 really need to evaluate themselves a little bit more because you could get a really good interval row workout um, at a stroke rating of 30 to 35 with a hard pull. You don't necessarily have to go too much higher than that to get a great interval uh, training effect from that. Okay. And then in terms of how you would do the intervals with uh, like a hand bike, you would just increase speed and or resistance. And then with the battle ropes, you would just do faster rope whips for shorter periods of time with, with short breaks. So something like maybe 10 to 20 seconds of work and then 10 to 20 seconds of rest and then you repeat for however long a period of time. Now steady state exercise where you're going lighter intensity, you're wanting to work that up to at least 30 minutes at a comfortable pace that's slightly challenging. And then eventually when you start to plug in some of the interval training options that might be something that you're only doing for five up to maybe 20 minutes any more than that you're really not getting as effective as um an interval training workout especially if you're going hard so i would say stick to steady state at 30 minutes plus or interval training 20 minutes or less any more than that, then you probably weren't doing the interval training as hard as you absolutely could. You should feel pretty good, not necessarily completely gassed after 20 minutes. The goal of the workout is not to make you feel like you totally ruined your energy for the rest of the day. You should feel energized. Okay, so we went over some mobility. We went over some conditioning, respiratory, cardiovascular options. I'll also post some, some example videos this week on on that on the instagram atlas fitness evolved and then finally let's talk just a quick few minutes on strength training so i want you and uh if, if you listen to some credible experts out there the more you can master your body weight at the beginning the better it's going to be for you in the long run you really if you can help it and if you have a personal trainer or if you have decent form you don't want to rely only on the machine options that your gym might have you want to try and and see if you can master your body weight even though there is some excessive weight on there and i'm not saying i want you to drop to the ground and do full-on army style push-ups right away 
one of the beauties of suspension trainers like a TRX is that you can vary your challenge level based off of the degree angle that you are at currently with the uh, with the exercise. So the more horizontal you are to the ground, the more difficult that push-up is going to be. Um, the more vertical you are to the ground, the easier it's going to be. So you will find that if you start your, your push-ups almost standing up, you're going to be able to successfully use a TRX or suspension trainer effectively and still get some reps in of 10 to 20 reps in. I would say probably around 15 would be pretty suitable. Um, and then over time, you're, you're going to get better at them because you're getting stronger and also you should be shedding some excessive weight. So eventually, you're going to be able to have your feet uh, a little bit further back, probably closer to the anchor point or to the wall, wherever it is in your gym or your home. And then you're going to become more and more and more horizontal, less vertical. Um, same thing with uh, if you just turn around and do a TRX row. The, the more horizontal you are, the harder it is. The more vertical you are, the easier it is. And knocking out about 15 reps of these are great. Um, in terms of, of what you should be doing in terms of legs, I definitely think your ability to squat as a human is very important. Now, positioning for a squat, don't let anybody tell you that it needs to be the same for every person. Your feet will be positioned differently based off of how your uh, your hip and your knee and your ankle structure is. So everybody has a little bit different. Whatever feels the most comfortable and allows you to execute it correctly is probably what's going to be the best for you. Now, how can you squat even though you have a lot of extra weight and maybe not a lot of strength in your legs yet? Well, one of my favorite things to do is to push um, like a plyometric box or even a chair or a bench up to the where the TRXs or the suspension trainers are anchored and then simply squat while holding on to the suspension trainer to the bench or the box or the chair and then up. So you're using the assistance from the TRX by holding on to it with your upper body and then also you're being cued by the box step or chair that's underneath your buttocks. All right. And then eventually you uh, can lower the, the position of the squat by reducing the height of the, the chair, the box, or the bench, if that is adjustable, that is. And then ultimately, you're going to stop using the TRX and just be doing body weight. And then ultimately after that, once your squat looks good, body weight, open air, nothing underneath you, then you can start loading it up. If a trainer starts making you do partial rep squats because you can't squat all the way down and putting a bar on your back right away, they're probably misinformed of what is best for you. I definitely think that your, your squatting mobility and be able to master yourself first, moving your body throughout space is more important than doing an external load. Um, barbell squats are great. Dumbbell squats are great, but not until you're ready for them. And you're going to get more used to squatting the more you do it based off of the fact that your legs are getting stronger and again, you're probably reducing your body weight so things just become gradually more easy. Not to mention your more cardiovascular fit, both from resistance training and from that steady state and ultimately the high intensity interval cardio that you are engaging in on a regular basis. Uh, okay, so um, in terms of, I do like 
exercises that allow the legs to independently work. So uh, squatting makes the legs work at the same time. So if you wanted to independently work your legs, I would say some form of a short step up. So a lot of gyms will have steps that are three to six inches tall in their lowest setting. I would say start off with that and do like 10 to 15 reps per leg. Let your right leg step up, let your right leg step down, repeat that for 15 reps, and then do the same thing on the left. And then gradually you're gonna increase the height all the way up to 15, maybe 18 inches, depending on your height. And then after you have gotten better with independent leg strength and you've reduced your body fat levels down a little bit, you're probably ready to start holding some sort of external load, like a barbell, like a pair of dumbbells, pair of kettlebells, a sandbag, um, whatever, whatever external resistance that you can think of or your trainer thinks of, that would be a good option. Another great independent leg exercise is sled pushing again. So I said earlier that it's good for uh, some low intensity cardio, just short um, or a little bit longer bouts, but slow marches. You could also do it for strength and load it up a little bit heavier and push it maybe 10 yards, rest, and then repeat again after um, a minute or two. All right, so squatting, short step up, sled pushing, those are all great options. Lunging, maybe. That might be something better suited for once you develop better leg strength and you've reduced your weight a little bit. But I would definitely start lunging in the backwards position first and also anchor your arms, <clears throat> excuse me, by holding on to a TRX that will subtract a little bit of body weight out of you and allows you to go deeper with better form and can definitely help you gradually develop that strength. <coughs> Excuse me. All right, so we got the squats, we got the step ups, we got the backward lunges, we got the the uh, alternating lunges, the sled pushes, and then I talked about TRX rows and TRX push ups now. Those are both great upper body exercises, but for some people, it's just uh, they 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 uh, that not that might not be the best option for them, especially if they they don't have access to a TRX. And and instead of going straight to like a bench press and trying to do that right away, I would recommend developing the strength in your arms independently with some lighter dumbbells. And I would say, especially if you have a hard time setting up, don't start by doing flat bench. Maybe do adjust the, the benches in your gym to 15, 30, or even 45 degrees. And you can do some dumbbell presses with some lighter weights. Nobody cares what weight you're using except for you. So kind of check your ego at the door. Uh, start really light. <coughs> Excuse me, I guess I have something in my throat. I can't get rid of it, but uh, we the, the goal is to independently develop the strength in each arm, each shoulder, each tricep, each pectoral muscle on your right and your left side by not having the dumbbells connected like a bar is, and you're going light, you're developing some strength in the uh, stabilizers inside the inside the shoulder joint as well and going for like 15 reps. You're going to get a lot of bang for your buck too if you're doing this inclined because you're working on shoulders 
and pectorals and triceps all at the same time. So you're getting a lot of bang for your buck there. And in terms of some of the best things available for you in terms of upper back development, well, I would definitely say like some form of a cable row or a machine row would be fine as well. Just something where you are doing a horizontal row variation for 15 or more repetitions where you can squeeze your shoulder blades together while using your biceps at the same time. So you're using the posterior deltoid, which is your shoulder, uh, the backside of your shoulder, your bicep, as well as those muscles in between your shoulder blades at the same time. So by doing that, along with some variation of a press, which was those push-ups I talked about, or those inclined dumbbell presses, you're working the majority of the upper body muscles, including your 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 chest, the front shoulder, the rear shoulder, your upper back, your bicep, your tricep, all those are being worked in a push and pull variation combo. Okay, and then we got all those leg options in there uh, for those who uh, want to be able to comfortably work out. Mm, then I guess we should go over what is probably one of the best core variations you could be doing. A lot of people find that planking early on, even though I just did a huge post about this and a, a whole episode on planks, sometimes for uh, the people with excessive body fat, there's just too much weight to, to hold it properly and uh, get a lot out of it. Uh, the shoulders weaken before the core even does. So one of my favorite core training options is going to be a pull-off press. So you either anchor a band at about sh uh, stomach height, uh, belly button to shoulder height, or you, uh, you adjust the cable machine to that height, and then you are going to stand to the side of that anchor point, and then you're going to press the band or the cable away from your chest. So it's going to be trying to rotate you towards the left or the right, depending on which way it's, it's, it's the, the direction is of it from your body. And you're resisting rotating. So if you didn't use your anti-rotation muscles, which is your obliques, and a little bit of your transverse abdominis and your glutes to keep your your pelvis stable, then that band or that cable is going to force you to rotate. And you're going to press that weight out. You're going to squeeze your abs and your glutes at the same time. Breathe underneath that brace. Hold it for three to five seconds. Pull it back into your chest. And then you're going to press it out and do each side for anywhere from 30 to 60 seconds total on each side. And that would be one set. And so pull-off presses are probably my favorite core training option that is good from somebody that needs to lose 50 or more pounds all the way down to a super lean athlete that's you know nfl caliper this is a great exercise for everyone uh, all walks of life and fitness abilities okay so i think we got a lot of information in here i've, I've been talking for 43 minutes at this point uh, if you listen to this whole podcast i hope you had, got a lot out of it share it with anybody that you feel like uh, has kind of told you that they're interested in losing weight, but they just don't know where to start and they, they're afraid of getting injured. Some of these considerations that I provided today is hopefully a great starting point for a lot of people. Not to mention, you know, there has to be dietary interventions, but that topic will, uh, will be saved for the future or uh, you can go back and listen to other episodes of the Atlas Fitcast where I cover some nutritional components of weight loss. 
And so that's all I have for you. Make sure you are following the Instagram of Atlas Fitness Evolved uh, for good fitness content. Share this with your friends, available on all podcast platforms, not just what you're listening to it on. So it is on Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all sorts of great places for people to listen. So remember... If it's important to you, you'll find a solution. And if it is not, you'll find an excuse. Peace.